many of you know that God guides us? Do you know that once you're saved, you have a shepherd, and shepherd leads sheep. Shepherds lead sheep because sheep need leading. Because the Bible even calls sheep D-U-M-B. Now, I'm adding myself in here. I'm a sheep. Now, not that we can't figure out how to fix a flat tire, but when it comes to drifting away, we need a shepherd. All we like sheep have walked the straight line. Is that what it says? No, all we like sheep have gone. All of us. We've turned most, no, everyone to his own way. So that's why we need a shepherd, and the shepherd guides. Now, we've been talking about guidance for the last few weeks, and today I'm going to, again, I'm going to land on Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, and I'm going to talk to you today about how to know that God is guiding you, because God desires to guide you and me. So I'm going to ask us to stand for the reading of the Word of God, and I so appreciate that. The Bible says... In Psalms 25, verse 4. Now, this is a prayer of David. So I'm going to read the prayer of David. Then I'm going to read one more psalm where God seems to respond to David. But here's what it says. David says, show me your ways. Lord, teach me your paths. Guide me in your truth and teach me. So I want to say together, show me, teach me, guide me. Now, is that a prayer for guidance or what? Show me, teach me, guide me. In other words, I need help. I need help. So show me, teach me, guide me. And then he says, for you are my Savior, and my hope is in you all day long. Now, look at Psalms 32, 8. It seems like God responds to that prayer. And what does it say? God is talking in the first person. I will instruct you, and I will teach you in the way you should go. Not the way you necessarily want to go, but the way you should go. Then look, I will guide you with my loving eye on you. Uh, Do you know that right now God is in heaven and he's looking at you and me? His loving eye is on us and he cares about every step we take and he wants to guide us in all of our decision making, right? Because we need help. Show me, lead me, guide me. And that was a brilliant Jewish young man praying that. Show me, teach me, guide me. I need all the help I can get in this game called life. Amen. So, Lord, thank you for the word of God. Thank you for your goodness on the house. Lord, how we need the guidance of God. How we need you to keep us out of the traps and snares of Satan. How we need you to enlighten our path. Lord, we have many decisions to make and we're in a very trying, difficult, difficult hour. We ask you, Lord, to teach us to know how to recognize the guidance of God. Now, can you breathe a prayer, dear church, and say, Lord, guide me. Teach me. In Jesus' name, amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell him God heard that prayer. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. That's good. Now, um, 
These verses make it very clear, and that's just a little sampling of the verses on guidance. makes it very clear that God wants to guide his people. God wants to guide his people. He wants to guide us in making wise decisions. Because how many of you know you can make bad ones? Right? So we need his guidance in making wise decisions. We need his guidance to get us to a place of safety. Keep us in a place of safety. We need his guidance in his purpose for us. He's got a collective purpose for us, and he's got an individual purpose for everybody in this sanctuary. Right? So he literally, the Bible says in Psalms 32 or 37, 23, he says he directs the steps of his children. And he delights in every step they take. That means he he blesses with favor every step a child of his in right relation with him takes. He blesses your steps with favor. Amen. So what we want to look at today is how do I know God's guiding me? How do I know? You ever wondered that? How do I know that the way I'm headed is the way that God has guided me? How do I know? Uh, How do I know how he guides his children? What what are the signs? What are the signposts that I can look at and tell, all right, God is guiding me? Um, How do I know it's not me, my own imagination, or even worse, the enemy trying to guide me? Because you do know the enemy will guide you. If you don't let God guide you, the enemy is more than happy to step in and take over and guide you into pits and snares and traps that bring great destruction. And he can be very convincing in his guiding. So how do I know it's God? Well, I'm going to tell you three ways today. They're very simple. I want you to say them with me. God's word, God's peace, God's doors. Very simple. God's word, God's peace, and God's doors. In other words, that he makes a way in your circumstances, his, his door. So let's talk about them, God's word. The number one, numero uno way that God guides his people now until the day we go to meet him is his word, his word, his written word. The Bible you have in your hand, the word of God. That's how God guides you and me. And how's he ever going to guide us if we don't know what's in it? That's why we, we uh, harp on all the time here at Turning Point uh, that you ought to be in the Word of God every day. We must not be biblically illiterate. Huge mistake. To be biblically illiterate is to open yourself wide open for all kinds of trouble. God gave us his Word. Read it. He sent us a love letter. Read it. Amen? The Word of God is unfailing. It is perfect. It is the infallible GPS system, compass, roadmap for our life that God gave to His children. He gave us that Word. He protected that Word through the centuries. Over and over again, there were major attempts to destroy the Bible, and it never worked. God preserved it, kept it, got it to us, put it in our lap, And now in this day, we've got a hundred different translations to pick from. There's no excuse for not knowing the Word of God. There is no excuse to be biblically illiterate. We ought to know it. Amen? And here at Turning Point, we're going through the Bible together in a year. 
And all of you that are going through it with me, I know it's a lot of reading, but ain't it good? Amen? There is not any issue in life God's Word does not address. He addresses every moral issue, every financial issue, marital issue, friendship issue, warfare issue. There's nothing that becomes a concern in life. Provision issues. He deals with all of them in his word. All of them. Every major issue of life, God's word gives guidance regarding that issue. Whatever whatever you're having to pray about. Look it up. Get a concordance. Look it up. I'm dealing with fear. I'm dealing with doubt. I'm dealing with worry. I'm dealing with lust. I'm dealing with confusion. What does the Bible say? And you will find it's in there. And God guides us. He he has given us signposts. He has given us clear instruction. There's not an issue in life he has not addressed. Not one. If you can find one, come show it to me. And I'll show you it's not true. You just had not found it yet. There are no exceptions. Nothing replaces God's word. No new truths or new revelations can overrule the written word of God. Don't care what your dreams were. Don't care what your vision was. Uh, if somebody tells you they got a new revelation, listen to me. If it's new, it's not true. If it's added on to the word of God or claims to be something other than what the word addresses, it's not true. Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven. It's settled. The book of Revelation ends. Don't add to it. Don't take away from it. You have now a perfect manual of 66 books that will address everything in your life, give you guidance on all things, where you never have to be confused about anything at all. You at least get a a strong idea or a strong direction on what God's guidance is, no matter what. It's just a matter of knowing it. Your word is a lamp to my feet. That means it's a lamp for your next step. It's a light to your path. That means it'll reveal lurking dangers. The word of God is a light. The entrance of your word gives light. It gives understanding to the simple, to the naive, to the gullible. How does deception get in? Deception gets its foot in the door when we step outside the boundaries of God's word. You say, well, I know what the Bible says, but hey, I'm going to go this way and just see what's out there. I'm not going to just kowtow to the Bible every single time. And as soon as you step outside the boundaries of God's word, the, the door is open a crack for the devil to kick it open. And that's how deception gets in. When you say there's probably a better way, there's, there, there's got to be a better way than what God's word says. You can never improve on God's word. It's God's word. Well, it's old and ancient, Pastor Jeff. Yes, it's old and ancient, but it's new and fresh every morning. Because it's God's word. See, one of the problems we have with divine guidance these days is that many believers have decided that an experience trumps truth uh, or an emotion or a feeling. Oh, we put such a premium on our feelings. Uh, I feel led. Or I just, I just felt this touch that was spiritual. 
uh, I had a dream last night, and I really feel like God was leading me through that dream. You better hold that dream up to the Word of God and make sure it wasn't too much pizza. (laughs) Hold that dream up to the Word of God. Hold that dream up to the Word of God. Run it through the scrutiny of the Word of God. Don't be led by a feeling. Be led by the Word. Too often, we do not run inner promptings or emotions or feelings through the sifter of Scripture to our own peril. Because sometimes the Word of God will tell you that feeling or that experience, that's nowhere in my Word. You need to be careful. You need to pull the reins back. You need to look at this. Christians are not called to be gullible sponges soaking up every teaching or every feeling that comes down the road. But here's what we're supposed to be. You and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, are supposed to be skilled discerners. Skilled discerners that judge between good and evil, wrong and right, of God, not of God. We're supposed to have discerning antenna. We're supposed to have developed discernment in our life so when the enemy comes at us, you say, well, you sound a little bit paranoid, Pastor Jeff, about the enemy. I'm not paranoid of the enemy, but I'm not stupid either. He's out there. Why did John write 1 John 4, 1? Why did he say, test every spirit to see if it is of God? For many false prophets and a lot of deception has gone out into the world. He said, test the spirits, discern the spirit, discern the teaching, discern the feeling, discern the emotion, discern the experience. Don't be a gullible sponge. Listen to what the Bible says. Solid spiritual food is for the mature. This is Hebrews 5.14. Solid spiritual food is for the mature who because of practice, everybody say practice, What did they practice? Their senses being trained to discern between good and evil. Do you consider yourself mature? Do you consider yourself out of infancy? You're no longer a spiritual infant? Then here's one thing that goes with spiritual growth and maturity. It is is your spiritual senses have been trained to discern what is from God and what's not. You ought to be sharp as a tack. You ought to be able to look at something that comes your way, a teaching, no matter if the person is famous, if the person is charismatic, if the person is uh, whatever, you know, super eloquent, whatever it is that they've got. When they're out there teaching, you are running it through the sifter of Scripture. Paul went into a town one day, a town named Berea, and he, began to, he went in the synagogue, as his custom was, and he began to teach the Jewish people in there uh, about Jesus. Now, the Bereans that were in there, the Bereans that were listening, it says the people of Berea gladly listened to the message from Paul and Silas. But look what they did. They searched the scriptures day by day. How often did they do it? What did they search the scriptures for? I love this, to check up on Paul. Can you imagine checking up on Paul? I mean, this guy hands out handkerchiefs and people get healed and demons come out. But they, didn't, they weren't impressed with fame. 
They weren't impressed with reputation. They weren't impressed with eloquence. None of that. They said, we're going to make sure what he's saying is found in the word of God. Did you catch that? So they searched scriptures day by day to check up on Paul and Silas' statements to see if they were really so. And of course, I guarantee you Paul and Silas checked out just fine. But nevertheless, they checked it out. When was the last time you and I did that? Well, I'm listening to brother so-and-so. I don't care who he is. I don't care if he glows in the dark or floats. Have you, have you said, well, okay, I hear what they're teaching or this experience. Wow, this experience was so convincing. It's really guiding me to go this way in life, to make these decisions. You better run that experience through the sifter of Scripture. Is it found in the Bible? Is it in the Bible? Can the Bible amen it? Can the Bible agree with it? Don't be, don't be, and I'm talking to myself here too, don't be stupid. Don't be naive. Don't be gullible. You're not a sponge that takes in anything. You are selective. You are discriminating. You're to see if it's in the word, if it's true. Because that's the main way that God guides. Oh, the Lord led me. The Spirit led me. The Spirit. I've talked to some people who told me the Spirit led them. And I look at where he supposedly led them. And I say, no, the Spirit of God did not lead you there. The Bible is like a fence of safety put there by a loving God. Not to keep us in, but to keep the enemy out. The Bible, it's your friend. The word of God is your friend. It is such a gift. There have been times I don't want to be weary, but I've hugged my Bible. Thank you, Lord, for the Bible. 66 books of God's spoken word. What a gift. So everybody say the word of God is number one. In all guidance. Now the second way God leads is peace. God's word, God's peace. He leads by peace. Let me read verses that you know well, but I love these. Philippians 4, 6 to 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about most things. Oh, I'm sorry. I read it wrong. Instead, pray about a few things. I'm reading it wrong again. What's wrong with me? What does it say? Pray about everything. And that means when you're looking for guidance. When you've got a fork in the road, you're at a juncture, there are options for you, and you're wondering what God wants me to do. Do I see this person? Do I date this person? Do I run around with this person? Do I take this job? Do I go to this church? Do I, do I move? Do I what? I don't know what to do, Lord. I don't know what to do. So I'm bringing it to you. And here's what the promise is. He says, you tell God what you need. You thank him for all that he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace, watch what it does, will guard. It will guard your heart and mind. From what? Worry, fear, doubt, deception, confusion. It's a guard. That word is a military term in the Greek language. It's a military term. And it literally means uh, that it, to, to place a soldier 
to watch over something or someone and guard it from enemies. So the peace of God is God's soldier placed over your heart and mind. Because where does the enemy attack? Your mind. The fiery arrows primarily go into your mind. Doubts and fears and worries and deceptions and lies, they all go into your mind like a fiery arrow. So what does the, 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 the peace of God do? It, it, it's like a soldier guarding over your mind. And when the enemy gets near, he pulls out the sword and says, Scat! Get out of here. And the peace of God prevails. Amen. Here's the thing. How do you know God is guiding? First of all, by his word. Second, by his peace. If after prayer, you've prayed about it. And after prayer, you have a deep, settled, consistent peace about a path that you're considering. That is one of the signposts that God is leading by that deep, abiding, unruffled, perfect peace. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind has stayed on you. One man put it this way, pray, peace, push. You, you pray about that decision, that way to go, that choice, until there's a sense of peace. And once that peace prevails, settles on you and stays and remains, push forward. Pray, peace, push. If you don't know, don't go. Until you know, don't go. But once you know, go. That is so profound. Now, I got to tell you the flip side, or I'm not teaching it right. On the flip side, the Holy Spirit also guides by taking his peace away. That, that's one of the great answers to prayer, when he takes his peace away. That's as good as when he gives you his peace. Because either way, God is guiding you the way you ought to go. He'll either give you peace to go ahead, or he'll take his peace away to tell you, whoa, Nelly. And he pulls the reins back and stops you from going forward into a mistake. When Paul and Silas were on their second missionary journey, they just wanted to preach the gospel in Asia. Asia is a big place. But it says in the Bible they were forbidden by what? The Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. He forbade them. From preaching the gospel, he forbade them. Then they tried to go into Bithynia. They're like a pinball here. First Asia, now Bithynia, bing, bing, bing. But it says the Spirit did not permit them to go there either. So notice the words, forbidden and not permitted. So, so how did God communicate that to them? Well, we don't know. It doesn't say, was it a voice? Was it a dream, a vision, whatever? We don't know. But I'm going to venture to say at least part of it was he took his peace away. Because if I lose my peace about something, I do not go. Y'all are being real quiet on me today. But you know what I'm telling you. The Spirit of God lives in you. He knows the will of God for you. He intercedes for you. The Holy Ghost, Jesus said when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. So when you start to go down a path that is not God's will for you, the Holy Ghost tightens up on the inside and takes his peace away and checks you about it. And oh, how many in here 
have wished you had listened to that check somewhere in the past. Oh, my. Come on, let me see how many. Oh, I wish I'd listened to that check. And how many of you say you told yourself never again? All right. You know exactly what I'm talking about. The Bible says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed to the day of redemption. But when we experience the grieving of God on, on the inside of us, since he lives in us, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when we grieve the Spirit of God, or when the Spirit of God is grieved, it may be the Spirit of God saying, don't go there. Don't take that. Don't do that. Don't say that. Don't embark on that. Don't take that road. Wait on me for clarity. I learned as a kid, never grab a crawdad in muddy water. Because you can't see good enough. Man, I brought crawdads out of the water with great big pinchers locked onto my screaming little finger. Because I tried grabbing him when the water was muddy. If you're smart and you're crawdad hunting, you wait for the water to clear. If you're waiting for God's guidance, you're smart to let the water clear. Amen. Amen, amen, amen. Now, it's also important to know, and I've got to balance this out with one last thing. The inner witness is not infallible. The, the inner leadings are, are we've got to be careful with them. Because you can be so sure that God is leading you. How many of you have ever felt like, I know this is God? Man, inside of me, the Spirit of God is just telling me this is God. I know it's God. And later you found out it wasn't God. Because of that inner leading was wrong. I look at inner leadings with a dose of skepticism. I got to be sure it lines up with the word of God. And what I'm going to talk about in the close here are circumstances. Because the inner leading can get you in trouble. Do you know that when Mormons are trying to recruit people into Mormonism? Here's what they tell people. When they come to your door, if you let them in, you better not let them in. If you do let them in, here's what they're going to tell you. They're going to tell you, you pray about what we've told you about the Book of Mormon. And if you get the witness of the Holy Ghost burning in your bosom, I'm using their verbiage, the witness of the Holy Ghost burning in your bosom, you can know that's God telling you the Book of Mormon is real. So what are they saying? You become a Mormon based on subjective inner feelings. And I say to you, if you're being approached by Mormon, Jehovah's Witnesses, anybody like that, don't go on inner feeling. Look up what they say in your Bible, and you will quickly run the other way. <laughs> oh, yeah, I got the burning in my bosom, so Mormonism is of God. No, it is not of God. How many, listen, if you shut down, if everybody approached by a Mormon just went into the Word of God and checked it out, Mormonism would stop growing today. A third way that God guides us, and I close with this, is divinely ordered circumstances. When God is leading, he will make a way. When God is leading, everybody say God's word, God's peace, and God's door. When God is leading, he will make a way where there is no way. We sing the song, Waymaker. We love that song, Waymaker. Waymaker, you know, he's a waymaker. But I want to tell you straight up, that's true. 
The God of the Bible is a God who makes a way where there was no way. He didn't just take you through an existing door. He creates a door that wasn't there before. He creates a brand new door. He told Israel when they were about to be released from Babylonian captivity, he said, here's what I'm going to do for you. I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? See what? Do you not see that I'm making a pathway through the wilderness and I'm making rivers in the desert? Well, one thing you don't see in a wilderness is a pathway. And another thing you don't see in the desert is rivers. And God is saying, I'm going to, I'm going to put something there to make a way for you that was not there before. I'm literally going to create a way. I'm going to make a way. I'm going to come up with a way uh, for you to do my will and arrive at the destination that I've got for you. I am going to make a way. I'm going to change your circumstances. I'm going to move things around so that there is a way that wasn't there yesterday. God has made a way. That's why I wake up every day and say, you know, telling what God is going to do today, what door he's going to open, what road he's going to make, what river he's going to hone out in the, in the desert. No telling what God is going to do today. But I do know this about God. He makes a way where there isn't one. He makes a way where there isn't one. And he will get you where he wants you to be. I know this. Not only from the word, but from my own experience. When I started my first church, it was in East Texas in a town of 1,400 people. We have as many people on our roll as we're in this town. And that's where I started my first church. And I remember like it was yesterday, we rented a little place called the Maranatha Retreat Center. And it was way out in the boonies. And we put in the, in the uh, little Quitman newspaper, which reached maybe 50 people, that we were going to be meeting Sunday to start a church. And we walked out there in the Maranatha Retreat Center on the first Sunday, 200 people. So I felt very encouraged. Preached until I went hoarse. Preached like a man from another planet because I was so encouraged by this site. But within 10 months, we got contacted by Maranatha Retreat Center that they had sold it and we had to be out in weeks. Now, where do you find a building in a town of 1,400 where the most exciting thing in town is a Dairy Queen? Right? I mean, at first time we were there, I said to my late wife, Kathy, I said, hey, let's go out and eat. Where do you want to go? And she said, Jeff, earth to Jeff, all there is is a Dairy Queen. So we went to the Dairy Queen and there you go. I got officially super sick of Dairy Queen equipment. But here's the thing. Where do you find a building in a town of 1,400? And you got a couple of hundred people coming to church, and there's nowhere to go. And we had no money. Well, we had saved some by now. But when we started, we didn't have a dime. So where do you go? So we prayed. We had the whole church praying. Oh, Waymaker, oh, Lord, you need to make a way. I know we've come here by the will of God. I see it in the Word. We had great peace to come here, but now, Lord, we need a way. We need a way. And so one week, two weeks, time is going by. They've sold it. We have a deadline. We're in the street. Somebody comes up to me one day and says, have you seen that for sale sign in the front yard of that warehouse that's right smack in the middle of downtown Quitman? Quitman was where we were. Don't quit, man. 
Quitman. We don't quit man in Quitman. And so there was this warehouse right in the middle of downtown Quitman in this perfect spot. And I'd never even noticed the warehouse. It was just a, a 10,000 square foot warehouse. There's a sign out front. And then somebody comes and says, hey, the owner of this place wants to meet with you. Me? I remember his name so well, Herman Puckett. I'll never forget him. He was a multimillionaire, good old boy, grazed in East Texas. And he wants to meet with you. Me? I don't even know. I've never met him. Why does he want to meet with me? I don't know. But I'd go meet with him. So, okay. Went in there and sat down. Here's what he said. Pastor, we're wiki. I said, Mr. Puckett, that's Wickwire. He said, oh, I'm sorry. Now, Pastor Weirwicky, he said, I've put that for sale sign out in front of my warehouse. Now, God knows. He said to me, I'm going to sell it to you. And if you don't want it, I'm taking it off the market. So I said, why are you doing this? And he said, I don't know. Everybody spell F-A-V-O-R. Favor. What was God doing? He was making a way where there was no way. So I asked him how much, and then he told me how much it needed down. And what we needed down was to the dime what was in the bank. To, a, to the dime. So in no time, we had a building in the middle of downtown in the finest location in Quitman you could ever have had. It's there right now. Pastor Sonny is preaching there today. Amen. Stand up with me, would you? Everybody say with me, he makes a way where there is no way. He got the children of Israel across the Red Sea. He guided them through a howling wilderness. He carried them through a land of giants. He made a way every time where there wasn't one. So say with me, God's word, God's peace, God's door. When all those three line up, you can be pretty sure God is leading you. Amen? Let's lift our hands to the Lord, can we? Father, thank you for your word, for your peace, and for your door. Thank you, Lord, that you're the way maker. You're the father of peace. And you're the word. You gave us the word. Thank you, Lord, for these signposts of guidance. Now I want us to all pray together and say, Lord, I need your guidance each and every day. I make decisions. I need your wisdom. I don't know which way to go. Some of you, I don't know which way to go. I don't know what decision to make. But I'm asking you to guide me. Shepherd of the sheep. Guide us, Lord, in our finances. Guide us in moral decisions. Guide us in relationships. 
Guide us, Lord, in business decisions. Guide us in warfare. Lead me, Lord, to pastures of tender grass. In Jesus' name. And with your heads bowed, I want to ask you just straight up, do you have the shepherd? Is Jesus your shepherd? Is Jesus your shepherd? If you don't know, then chances are he's not. And I want to invite you to come to the great shepherd of the sheep. Jesus, the son of God. I want to invite you to open your life to him. To look up to him in faith and say, I place my faith in you as Savior and Lord. I'm going to invite you to do that today. He wants to come into your heart and he wants to guide you to a really good place, a safe place. Ultimately, he wants to get you to heaven. There's only one shepherd that'll get you there. His name is Jesus. So I'm going to ask you if that's you and, and you, if you even wonder, if you're going, I'm not sure, then become sure. Days are short. Time is short. Life is short. Do it while you're here and while you have this chance. So I'm going to pray a simple prayer. Pray it with me. Do it right now. You can do it. If this is you, do it. Say, Lord, I believe on you. That you died on the cross for my sins and rose from the dead so that I could be saved. Forgive me my sins and cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I place my faith in you. In Jesus' name. Now with your head bowed, if you can say, Jeff, I prayed that with you. I promise I'm not going to embarrass you, but just put your hand up. Where he can see you and where I can see you, I want to rejoice with you. If you prayed that with me, I see you. Amen. Here and here, God bless you. And over there, several. I see many of you. Okay, those of you with your hands raised, would you look at me for just a moment? Just look at me. This is between you and me. I'm going to dismiss this service in just a couple of minutes. And I want to invite you. Instead of going out that way, I want you to come down and meet me because I want to give you something to take home with you that'll mean a lot. Something I've written just for you. And I want you to tell me, hey, I prayed with you. I want to rejoice with you. Would you do that? So I invite you to come. And we have a deal. All right, I'm going to look for you. How many of you are glad you came to the house of God today? Amen. 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 Um, couple of quick things. Now, if I could have some prayers to come down while I'm making these quick announcements. I need some prayers to come down, please. And some of you need to lock faith with somebody and say, I need God's guidance with my marriage, with my finances, whatever it is. Please pray with me. Agree with me. And there's great power in agreement. So I want to encourage you to come down and take advantage of these prayers. This Wednesday night, I will not be here. Cindy and I are going to be 
at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention uh, that we go to every year. It's just our way of touching base, you know, and meeting people. And it's something you do if you're in media. And we do a lot of media. So um, we're going to be there. Mr. Pentecost here is going to be teaching. So, <laughs> so, uh, so Ronnie will be bringing the word of God. And um, so I'll, I know it's going to be good. I'm looking forward to hearing it myself uh, later uh, recorded. So come out and uh, amen him and shout him down. And if he goes super Pentecost and starts swinging from chandeliers, please let me know. All right. All right. Uh, aside from that, God is good. Amen. So I'm going to pray for you before we leave. And I'm looking for those that prayed with me. Please come down and I want to meet you. Okay. So Father, bless the people of God. As they go, guide us, Lord. Guide us into those destinations you want us to be. Guide us into spiritual growth and maturity. Guide us, Lord, down that narrow road that leads to life. Thank you for the good guidance of God. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.